for miracles. I want to just spend a little bit of time uh, this morning just to uh, catch what the Holy Spirit is speaking. So, Father, we thank you. Father, thank you for this house. Thank you for this place. Thank you for these women that are gathered. And, Lord, we thank you for your presence. Thank you that you never leave us, never forsake us. Lord, that your word, Lord, speaks to our heart. It's living and it's active. Lord, speak to our hearts. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, what you are saying and what you are doing. Give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, Father, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I was so blessed by Prophetess Mary last night. I met with the uh, Prophetic Council uh, just on Zoom on Wednesday. We, ha we are moving our summit to September next year, September 19 to 21. If you want to come and join us in Brisbane next year, September 19 to 21. We normally have it in January, but we are trying to move buildings, so God, by the grace of God, we'll be in a beautiful new building by September next year. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, God. And hey, isn't this a beautiful building? Isn't this a wonderful facility? Look what the Lord has done. And, uh, but we were speaking and hearing the themes of what the Holy Spirit is saying to the prophets across the different streams. And uh, I believe what the prophet was sharing last night uh, is so in line with what God is speaking across the body of Christ. Uh, you know, they was, many of them were hearing that the Lord is doing a work of pruning, that the threshing floor, God is bringing us to the threshing floor to thresh out that which is holding us back. So I was like, go, yes, this is the word of the Lord. But it is threshing for supernatural acceleration. Many of the prophets, including myself, I've had two dreams of babies, little babies, that suddenly were speaking in sentences like infants speaking in sentences. And uh, Anita and uh, Izzy also told me that they all had had dreams as well of fully mature babies, like speaking, walking. Um, Anita had a dream of a baby being born at four years old. <laughs> and I believe the Lord is speaking about divine acceleration and supernatural maturity that's going to happen really swiftly. And another key word we were hearing was suddenly, that there's going to be the suddenlies of God. And that's why divine alignment and the shaking and the sh sifting and the threshing and the pruning is going on because God has some suddenlies where there's going to be sudden promotions, where there's going to be sudden fulfillment of things so long held on to that it seems like you've been more comfortable with dreaming about them than you will be in actually having them come to pass because it will be so sudden and so glorious. So I want to encourage you that it's beautiful when you hear the prophets speaking the word of the Lord and um, the amens coming and, and also scriptures like uh, Romans 12 that we're going to read today. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. But I'd like to read Romans 12 starting at verse 1. But I'm going to read it in the Passion Translation because I really like the way it's been rendered here. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Beloved friends, you are my friends. The word of God still speaks to us today. 
Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Because of what the Lord's done. Oh, thank you, God. Your mercies on you every morning. Thank you, God, for your presence that's with us, that's been with us and will continue to be with us. You know, after worship last night, I wanted to go back to my hotel room and just sing, All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. What should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? To surrender yourselves to God to be his sacred living sacrifices. And live in holiness, experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? I love the way that's rendered there. A beautiful life. Doesn't mean it's a life without pain or without suffering. In this world, we have trouble. But take heart. He's overcome the world. Hallelujah. I've been reading in Joshua chapter 5. I've slowly been working my way through scripture this year. So slowly. Slower than I've ever gone before. And and reading and rereading and reading and rereading and starting at Genesis and been taking notes of my, because my heart desire is to know God. Now John 17:3 says, "And this is eternal life, that they may know Him, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom He sent. It is the very essence of eternal life. It's what it's all about. So my heart is, I want to know you, God. So reading through the scripture, I've been keeping a little list. What does God value? What is, what, what is precious to God? What does God value from us? And learning to know his heart through the scripture. And I was reading uh, Joshua this month. And in Joshua chapter 5, uh, after the people have circumcised themselves and they've got everything in order, they're about to take Jericho. And Joshua, lifting up his eyes, you know, I think that this is very important, that we are intentional to continually lift up our eyes and look, to look with an expectation to see, to be looking, where's God moving, what's happening? I'm looking every morning as I look to you, I look with an expectation that you will hear me, that you will meet with me. But Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 says, It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked. And behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went out to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. Okay. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. 
And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua had an encounter with the living God. Just like Moses, he, he found him. That God wasn't just somebody that we believed in culturally. He wasn't just somebody that my fathers and my forefathers had believed in. He needed to know God himself. And he discovered that God is not somebody that just helps us. We actually are on his team. It's about him being Lord. We are on team Jesus. And when that change of thinking happened for him, that instead of, are you going to help us? Are you going to, it's like, God, you're the, you're the God of Israel, therefore you're going to help us in the things that we do. No, he was changing his thinking to help him remember, hey, this is all about him. This is all about the kingdom of God. So every time I do something, I'm not hoping God will be with me, but I am in the kingdom of God. And you know what happens when you surrender to the Lord of Lords, to the kingship of heaven, to the King of kings and the Lord of Lords, when you bring your life as a living sacrifice, when you acknowledge you are God, it's not about me and my ministry and my calling and my life. It's all about the kingdom. When you get that right, then you don't have to worry about all the other things. Because he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. So when you humble yourself and you surrender to the living God, you can have the confidence then as you recognize it's all about the kingdom. It's all for the glory of God. God then comes and he says, and now I take responsibility for you. I will take care of you. And then we read all through the scriptures following after that. We read about the psalmist singing, the Lord is on my side. God is for me. Who can be against me? Because when you have acknowledged the kingship and the lordship, when you recognize it's all about the kingdom, then you are being taken care of by the one that you are worshiping. Hallelujah. It's not the other way around. Hallelujah. So God is looking for us to surrender our lives as living sacrifices. I loved, too, the way the prophet was going through from the beginning uh, in, in Genesis, talking about the blessing, because that's another thing I've been studying this year. through Right through the book of Genesis and all the way through Scripture, I've been studying the blessing. And I noticed, I, I began with Noah, and I've been talking about this for a while, but it so impacted me. I saw when Noah got off the boat, after being on the boat for so long, the first thing he did was build this extravagant altar, a huge offering to the Lord. And the Lord said it was a soothing aroma to him. And the Lord responded to this offering, this sacrifice. And the first thing that Noah did at the start of the new day, the start of the first day, 
that they got off the ark, he put God first. He acknowledged God's lordship first. And as he built this altar and gave this first, the Lord responded and said, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. And he put a rainbow in the sky and, he, and then he blessed them. Hallelujah. And the Lord spoke to me. He said, Catherine, there will always be a response to an altar. I will always bring a blessing when there is an altar. I will always bring a blessing when there is an offering. And so I began intentionally at the beginning of the year just building an altar before the Lord. Not physically, I'm not a builder. <laughs> but in my imagination as I come before the Lord... I build an altar and I bring my life as a living sacrifice. Father, this is, and it's not some great big sacrifice. God, it's, I feel some days it's just, I feel like all I've got is pebbles. Here it is. Here's my brokenness. Here I am. I just give you my life, God. It's not some big, great martyr thing. I, it's just, oh, it's my reasonable service to honor you with my life. Here it is, God. And as I bring him my life, as I bring him my offering, I bring him uh, all of the things that I am I, I, are on my heart. I, I start, I have a list. I start with my husband. I pray for my husband. I put him on the altar and I ask for the blessing of God on his finances, on his health, on his spiritual life, on his devotional life, on his relationships. I, pr I pray blessing upon him. I put him on the altar and I believe the word of the Lord that as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. As I bring him on the altar, there will be a response from heaven and he will be blessed. And then I bring my children and my leaders and my partners and my intercessors, our church and all our networks, and I put them on the altar. But I put them on the altar not in worry and hope, oh, I hope I do it right so he'll take care of it. But I do it in faith, believing there will be a response from heaven. That the Lord will always, as long as the earth remains, he will respond to me bringing the seed, that as we go to and forth with our bag of seed weeping, we will come rejoicing, hallelujah, with the harvest, for the Lord promises that there will always be a response, hallelujah. So the heart of God is for us to be intentional, to bring to him all that we have. And as we bring our lives, as we bring our weakness Sometimes I've had situations, I remember many, many years ago, there were some very big difficulties in um, my, my husband's family, uh, extended family, and we had a big family photo on the wall. And I remember one night looking at this, you know, all the siblings and all the trouble, and I thought, God, it feels like scrambled eggs. How could this ever get unscrambled? It's just so much. Anybody ever had a situation where you felt like it just looks like scrambled eggs? How could this ever get fixed? And um, as I was thinking this, we had people coming in for a meeting that night into our home. And one of our prophets came in, James Graham. And he just, he, he, he came in and I didn't say anything to him. And he just looked at that family photo and he said, Oh, God can unscramble eggs, you know. Yeah. 
And I felt to encourage you today that there are people here, God wants you to know He can unscramble eggs. He can make miracles out of messes. If you will bring Him to the altar, you will bring your scrambled eggs. You will bring your mess. You'll bring your ashes. The Bible says, for your former shame, pain, and disgrace, I will bring you double recompense. My sweet sister, Sima, thank you for that beautiful song. You come from Malawi, yes? But if you tried to spend Malawi money here in Australia, you, wouldn't, you couldn't spend it. But if you take that Malawian money and you take it to the exchange place, you can get the exchange rate and get Australian dollars and then you can spend it, right? In the same way, our mess, our scrambled eggs, our, our ashes, our pain, our shame, our hurt, our issues, our, even the things we forfeited because of our own fault. Isaiah 61.7 says we can bring it to the Lord to the divine exchange table and receive the exchange rate of heaven. We can sow our tears, we can sow our pain and believe that he will give a miracle out of a mess, that he will make beauty out of ashes. So on the altar, I bring him, I forfeited that, I messed up and it's a mess now, God, I bring in the ashes. And I thank you, Lord, that you make miracles out of messes because that's who you are. You are better than I feel like I deserve and because you are are a God who loves justice. Justice is not about me getting what I deserve, but justice is about him having taken the judgment and the, uh, the, the sin of the world on himself. Now in his justice gets to bless these ones that he loves, these ones that have been forgiven. That's God's idea of justice. I get to get my, give my children what I've always wanted to give them. I want to give you beauty instead of ashes. You know, if your children messed up, as a mother, if there's any mothers in the room, as a mother, I tell you, I know I have a son. My heart, it wouldn't matter what he did, my heart is for him to have go well and be blessed. I want, I want the best for him. Oh, I so want him to go well. Sure, you know, if he needs to be disciplined, be disciplined. But my heart is I want him to be blessed all the time. God's heart for us is to bless us. He wants to, his idea of justice is to bless you, is to extravagantly love you with more than you deserve. Think about the prodigal son, the father's heart toward him. When he finally came home all miserable and broke, the father's heart was not to say, well, I'm hoping you've learned your lesson and you're going to have to suffer for the rest of your life to remember what you did. That would be our form of justice. But God, he seems almost irresponsible. It's like, here, son, a ring and a robe, and you can have a party, and you're like, everything is here, you'll be my son. It's like, what? God? Where's the justice? He goes, right here in the party. I get to love him the way I want to love him. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when we come in honor before the Lord, when we offer him our lives, 
when we offer him our brokenness, when we offer him our mess, he comes as the father of the prodigal son every day saying, oh, I love you. As you make me Lord, I take you into my protection. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And I will make beauty out of ashes. I will make beauty out of a mess. I will give you a miracle for your mess. So thank you, Father, that you are faithful and true. Papa, God's just waiting for you to get honest. Honest with God. You know, as I, I love to have opportunity to be alone with the Lord. As mothers, wives, perhaps you are, getting by yourself is not an easy thing, all of you know, actually to have time. But when I get time by myself and close the door, I, I can get honest with God. And he, I don't have to pretend. I don't have to say religious prayers. I just get on my, my knees and I say, God, I thank you for your presence, presence that's been with me since I was a child. Thank you that your mercy is on you every morning. Thank you that you've loved me and you've loved me and been patient with me. Thank you for your great mercy for me. And, I, you know, I remember um, I was recently in Oklahoma City at a... Uh, big event, and as I was preparing to speak that night, I, I was just meditating on Romans 12 here and thinking, God, I want to bring my life as a living sacrifice, but God, I feel like, I just feel like it's, all it is is pebbles, that's all I got, God, and I was weeping under his presence, not in condemnation or anything like that, but in awe of the reality of his majesty. You know, as a young woman, sometimes I'd think, I will do great things for God. I, you know, if I liked something, I think I will sacrifice that because, you know, that will please God. Someone once gave me a compliment on my hair and I thought, oh, well, there you go. There's an idol. There's, I'm vain about that. I'll chop my hair off for God so that I won't have any idols. And, you know, you know what that was? It's actually spiritual pride thinking that I could do something for God. And, and happily, God spoke to me. He said, Catherine, I, I don't want your hair. I want your heart. <laughs> Sometimes we make vows. Oh, I'll never do this or I'll give this up as if we're going to please God, as if we're going to impress God with what we can give up. But actually, as I've grown and matured, when I come before the Lord, I, I, I no longer come with vows or thinking of what I can give up. I come in humility to say, Lord, all I've got is pebbles. Here it is. Here's my life, God. And I'm so grateful that I am alive today. And Lord, I give you, I give you my life in worship and honor for you are the King of Kings. And it's all about you. It's not about me. It's not about what I can do. God, I give it to you. And I say, Lord, all for the glory and the kingdom of God. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. And as you do that, you know, that night as I went to minister, the glory and the power of God was just so intense. And it has only kept increasing and increasing I, I was here, when I was in Nigeria, we walked into the restaurant after a meeting, and the man serving 
the meal started to shake and he said, I'm sorry, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And then he just slid under the table. <laughs> and more and more, the glory is in, I'm finding increases as I decrease. As I stop thinking I'm something special, but I think, oh, God, you are everything. You are glorious. He then comes and he fills us and fills us, and we learn what it looks like to live in the overflow. The overflow of living on the altar, living as a sacrifice. He will then come and fill you to overflowing with all his fullness, and the people around you will be impacted by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit of Christ himself. For it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 1. My delight for each one of you here, and I see it and I sense it. There is such a sense of unity in this room. And where there is unity, there is a commanded blessing. And it's an invitation. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Lord is saying to the, the churches. And it's an invitation into surrender because God is about to glorify himself through his bride in unprecedented, suddenly accelerated ways. The blessing of the Lord is coming upon those who have surrendered their lives, who have recognized all for him. It's all about Team Jesus. I surrender my life, my ministry, my call, my ambition, all for Team Jesus, that everything I do, I do to the glory of God. When Paul shared that scripture in Philippians, it was on the back of people saying, oh, there's people preaching and uh, who are slandering you. And, and you know his response? Well, so long as Jesus is being preached. Why? Because to live is Christ and to die is gain. It's all about the kingdom. It's all about team Jesus. It's not about me and my rights and me and what people say about me. It's all about him, that they may see him and that they may know him. Father, we thank you that you give beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. Father, we bring you the scrambled eggs. We bring you the ashes. We sow it in faith, believing your word that there will always be a response to an altar. Thank you, Papa. Thank you, Lord, that you take us, that you receive us by the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you that you receive our offering of our lives. God, we surrender and we thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. As I've been doing this and bringing all my things to the altar, in April, um, I got a phone call from my father. I've been praying for him every day. Um, putting him on the altar, hadn't yet surrendered his life to Jesus. And he rang me and he said, uh, I looked at, it was FaceTime and he was in a hospital gown. And I said, what are you doing in a hospital gown? And he said, oh, I have to have a pacemaker put in tomorrow. And I said, uh, and he said, your brother said that, you, that I should ask you to pray for me. 
I've been praying for him since I was six, and he used to call us Hallelujah Flop Downs because he thought we said Hallelujah and Flop Down. You know, he was a medical he's a medical doctor, and and but loved me, and but I didn't grow up with him, and um, he lived. We only saw him on holidays, and but I love him so much. So I prayed for him, and he started to cry, and then he said, "That's enough. That's enough. Go and eat your dinner." And uh, so I went and prayed, and then I called him back. And he began to say, you know, when you prayed for me, light came into my room. And then he started saying, I, I didn't get to spend enough time with you. And I said, well, we could plan for eternity. And he said, well, that's why I was calling. Your brother said you know how to do it. <laughs> And I got to lead him to Jesus. Hallelujah. The funny thing is, my brother also hadn't yet surrendered his life to Jesus. And a week later, both he and his wife gave their hearts to Jesus. So I have found there has been great fruitfulness from intentionally bringing my people, my things, my family to the altar because God promises when you do this in faith, there will always be a response from heaven. My prayer for you is that the Lord would show you how to bring to the altar your life, your families, you, all the things, your leaders, your, your, your concerns to the altar and believe God to bring a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.